If you've got your church Bibles with you, or a Bible, uh, we're in Hebrews 10, chapter 10. Uh, if you haven't got a Bible, um, and you'd like one, then one of the stewards would come and give you one. Um, and the church Bibles, Hebrews 10, chapter, sorry, chapter 10 of Hebrews 1 to 10, as I read this morning, and it's on page 1208. So if you need a church Bible, what they do at school, raise your hand, and we'll come and give you one. If you're all good pupils and board your own, that's wonderful. <coughs> right, so, Hebrews 10, starting at verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise would they not have stopped being offered, for the worshippers would have been cleansed at once for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not deserve, desire, but, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he says, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. Though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and then by, the, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Before you close your Bibles, I'd like to read that again, please. So please keep your finger in Hebrews 10, and we're going to read again 1 to 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, I can, for this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeat endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, Would they not have stopped being offered? For the worst would have been cleansed once for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I say, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to, your, I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifice, offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. But they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ for once for all. 
Now, before you close your Bibles, we're going to read it again. Chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worship would have been cleansed for once for all, and would no longer have to have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you have, you were not pleased. With them even though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to your, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Now, as children, <coughs> mums and dads used to tell us stuff to say and repeat. <coughs> so we would learn things. I think the first thing that we taught our children was to say either mummy or daddy. And we used to say them, say mummy, say daddy. <coughs> and then when they would say something that didn't resemble any of those two, we kept on asking them to repeat the words. And then one day, they would say the word. And if it was daddy, the daddy would say, yes, he said daddy first. <laughs> and if it was mummy, then daddy would continue to make sure that the child would learn how to say daddy. And then we teach our children other things. We get them to repeat other things. Like our time's table when they grow up. One on one is two, two and two is four, four, four is eight, and so on and so on. We taught them how to ride a bike, and when they fell off, we, we just got them back up and we just made them carry on. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And it doesn't stop with the children, does it? Adult, uh, teenagers are the same. How many times, as parents and grandparents, that we have to tell the teenagers to do things time and time and time again. <laughs> it sinks in eventually, does it not? After a little bit of frustration, in my experience. But even the teenagers are taught how to repeat. And the benefit of repetition, especially when they're at school, learning for their exams, and being encouraged to do the best that they can so they can go on and inspire and be inspiring. But it just doesn't stop with the teenagers either, does it? Because us adults do the same, don't we? If you're married, if you have a spouse, how many times do everybody go on about doing stuff? <laughs> and they have to repeat and repeat and repeat. But it's just not the blokes, I might add, that has to be repeated. 
That's stressful, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> and as adults, we go into our workplaces, don't we? And we learn new skills. We have to repeat those skills to get good at them. I remember as a salesman, I joined a company and I had to go away for six weeks to learn about the products. Six weeks I was away from home, Monday to Friday. We had to learn all about the, the ins and outs and the widgets and the digits. We have cue cards and everything was on them and we had to recite them and repeat them to ourselves and so on and so on. Repetition, repetition. And at the end of those six weeks I had an exam. And I stayed with the company six years. So I wasn't that bad. I passed. Hallelujah. So repetition and repeating is a good thing. And we see that especially in Hebrews. But repeating yourself from repetition is a skill. And the teacher in Hebrews is very skilled and gifted at saying the same thing in a different way that we will get it eventually. See, it's okay saying the same thing over and over again. But there is a skill of saying that thing time and time again in a different way that we may understand it better and clearer. And this is what the writer of Hebrews does. Very wise and skillful uh, writer of Hebrews. And we've seen it up to now, haven't we, in the first nine chapters, that he repeats himself. The covenant is mentioned over 21 times. The priest and the priesthood is mentioned 36 times. The sacrifice is mentioned 19 times. Sin is mentioned 54 times. The blood is mentioned 23 times. And Jesus is mentioned 21 times. Do you think that the writer of Hebrews wants us to know something? <laughs> Do you really think that he's saying it for his own good? No, it's for our good. Repetition and repeating things is not necessarily for the benefit of the teacher, it's for our benefit. So when we come to this passage, there's a lot of repetition. But there is one word that is repeated at the very beginning that we heard back in chapter 8. And it is the word shadow. And it says, the law is only a shadow of the good things to come. And Alex talked about the shadow of the tabernacle in chapter 8, being a shadow of the heavenly place. It was a copy. It was a copy. It wasn't the real tabernacle. It was just a copy of the tabernacle. And Alex showed... Uh, went on and gave this illustration of a child in a supermarket, I don't know if you were here, but if you were here, the child's in the supermarket, lost his mum, and he's walking up and down the aisles, and then he looks down an aisle and he sees a shadow, and he runs towards the shadow thinking that it is his mum. It looks like, it's kind of like the right shape and all sorts, and he's thinking, yes, this is my mum. And then he begins the shadow, he goes around the corner and it's his mum there, and he gives her a big hug. Doesn't hug the shadow. He hugs the mum. And as we come to this passage, we talk about the law, the shadow of the law. And then he goes on and reminds us of the 
sacrifices that is attached to the law. The sacrificial system which is bound into the law. And it was the sacrifice of bulls and goats that they had to do. And it was for the sins of the people. But it didn't take away the sins. It couldn't have done. Because it was only a shadow. It was to remind them, and this is what uh, chapter 10 is about. It reminded them of the sins that they had committed. They didn't have to do it once, and they were gone. They did it year on year. Over and over again. It was to remind them of God and that they were the people of God. It was to remind them that God has the power, the power to save. That God had the authority, the authority over them. It was a reminder of God's holiness, not matched by any human God. He was God. And the sacrifice was to remind them of that. Time and time again, they had to do this to remind them of God. But this sacrificial system was a false hope because it never took away the sins, it just reminded them. And that's why we have Jesus. And we'll come on to that later. It was a false hope. It was hope that they kept longing for, to keep doing time and time again. And in, the, in, the, in our world, there are many, many people that have hopes. And they put their hope in all sorts of things money. Health, beauty. But it's a false hope because it's not perfect. The hope that they have is not perfect. Our hope in Jesus is perfect because He is perfect. And then we come to the covenant, the first covenant. And it was a superseded, it was superseded with a new covenant. Because the shadow of the Lord was the first. And the renewed, renewed covenant, the new covenant in Christ Jesus is the, the second covenant, the reality. See, the shadow is the first. Jesus Christ is the reality, the substance of our hope. See, when we, when Jesus died, he took our sins once and for all. 
the Israelites had to do it year on year, go through all the rituals that we read in Leviticus, getting dressed up, getting purified, getting the right animal, getting the right grain, so on and so on. It was to remind them of their sin and not the love of God that he has for us. And see, the shadow would not be there unless there was substance and reality. <coughs> you can't have a shadow if you don't have some substance. And when, a couple of months ago, our, our grandson Jack, he's only two, bless him, he was down out with his mum and dad, uh, Katie and Paul, and it was a lovely sunny day, and he was walking along. And he discovered his shadow. It was the most funniest thing I've seen for an awful long time. He was trying to catch his shadow. He was walking around and his arms were going like this. And he was trying to touch his shadow. But he couldn't. Because it was only a shadow. It wasn't real. And if he wasn't real, he wouldn't have a shadow either. I remember doing that as a kid and it reminded me of that. When I got bored of school, I actually kind of like had to step away from my shadow as well. But see, the shadow is only dependent on the substance and the reality of what it is shadowing. So the shadow here that he's talking about is the sacrifice of the goats and the bulls which cannot take away the sins, can only remind us of them. And then we come on to verse 5 and 7. And this is a point where it's quoted from Psalms. This is the psalm that David wrote. It was Psalm 40, um, 6 to 8. David wrote these words. He didn't have a clue how deep those words would mean. It was been years and centuries. Those words point to Jesus, our sacrifice. Our sacrifice, replacing the boats, the goats and the bulls. See, the Old Testament talks about Jesus throughout in the Psalms, in the Prophets, all throughout, all points to Jesus. And these words point to Jesus. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me as God. I have come to do your will, my God. God became flesh in Jesus. Jesus was obedient to the Father, understanding the Father's purpose for his life here on earth. Jesus came to do the Father's will, to be the ultimate sacrifice that will replace the false hope in the goats and the bulls once and for all. The old system would go. The offerings, the sacrifices, 
with God. Because of the purpose of Jesus. We can stand in front of God because of the perfect sacrifice. We can stand blameless before God. We can be called sons and daughters. Isaiah writes that in 56.5. We can become citizens of heaven because of Jesus' sacrifice. Perfect sacrifice. And we can become the bride of Christ. If God wanted to still use lambs and goats, he could have done it. But he didn't. He chose to send his son to redeem us, to redeem all humanity from sin. Completely, once for all. Jesus took all the plans that God had for him. Came down, lived, died, rose again. It was a sacrifice for all. And as we repeated the words of this at the beginning, the writer in Hebrews repeats them again. To drum home the importance of staying, but to keep believing in the reality, in the substance, and not in the shadow. It's not surprising that the writer of Hebrews repeats himself so often because he wants us to understand and stand firm and grasp the love that God has for us and never forget that Jesus was a sacrifice once and for all. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's pray. Let you know the banging is the, the guys doing it, so don't worry, someone's not coming in. Um, so let's pray. Oh, Father God, what a joy it is to know you. What a joy it is to know that you loved us. You loved me so, so much that you sent for Jesus the substance and the reality of your love for us. Lord, that when we think of his sacrifice, we understand that it is once and for all. We have come to you redeemed by the blood of Jesus, the Lamb. So Lord Jesus, be with us. Let us firmly understand that you are our saviour because of the sacrifice. Amen.